0: welcome me this morning and music has been awesome thank you thank you thank you um, this week for me I needed that music to be real honest with you um, it was one of those weeks where I kind of knew what I wanted to say but nothing just kept coming nothing came together nothing came together and, and God come on give it to me give something give me something <laughs> So it's kind of one of those weeks, I think it was, I don't know how much time I spent studying, but it was just one of those weeks where I have all these things, but it's like I got pages of notes, but nothing just kind of was clicking together. And so I, uh, I needed that music this morning just to worship. And uh, we've been talking over the course of the last uh, three, four weeks now about worship as a lifestyle. And i I think the majority of you have been with us and I know there's a few guests in here, but but we've talked about our salvation experience we talked about uh, discipleship we've talked about a personal walk with God and in the last couple of weeks or last week we started on prayer and I'm going to finish on some prayer this week really I think we could go on for weeks and weeks probably have a six eight ten week series just in prayer but as we talk about worshiping God, and, and I think so many times within our, our culture in general, maybe not so much the church, I think most of us would say, yeah, I know what worship is, but worship as a lifestyle, our worship is our life. What we do, it's who we are. And these last few weeks, we've really hit home on some personal issues, dealing with discipleship and dealing with our personal walk with God. And, and as we've talked even last week and today is is talking about prayer. and And that is that's me. Those things deal specifically with, with me. It deals specifically with, with you. And I can, I can try to do my best, and, and we can have other things, but corporately we can worship God. But the real part of worship or the real heart of worship comes, comes as me as an individual. Regardless of the style of music, regardless if it was flat or perfect or this or that or whatever it is, I can worship God. In my own little chair I can be One of the things I've really really had to work on For myself is You know I've been involved in music all my life So I just I I catch things That you may not catch Things like when I just messed up just a few minutes ago And I didn't hit the key change like I was supposed to hit That bugs me That may not bug you You may not have even noticed it But that bugs me I'm assuming you noticed. But, but when I worship, I catch those things. Oh, that was this. Oh, that was that. Oh, that was that pitch. That, that that. I have to make myself let all that go and just worship God. I have to consciously do those things. When I go to a church service, it's hard for me just to sit into a church service and not go... Man, I really like that, and take notes. Or, man, why in the world do they do that? Or, I don't like that, or I don't like that because I critique it, because then I can come back and I go, Oh, wow, we can do this better, we can do this, maybe we can try this. And, and it's just like any of you with your profession, if you were to go to another place. of, But when I come and, and my worship is, it's me. I can worship how I worship on this front row all by myself. And really the outpour of my worship on Sunday morning is who I am Monday through Saturday before I come here. Go this week and have the most miserable week of all your life. Get into all the drugs and sin and alcohol and whatever it is that you're involved in. I don't, I don't know if you're involved in those things, but whatever that deep, dark sin is and go dive into it. And then come back on Sunday morning and see if your worship is, is awesome. No, well, wh- why does it struggle on that following week? Because my heart's not right. And so as we dive in and we talk about worship as a lifestyle and we start looking at all of these different things, our salvation experience, what is my discipleship? Am I discipling? Am I, am I growing in Christ? Am I, am I trusting God in my life in those areas? Am I reading Bible? Am I doing those things? And then with my prayer life, am I, do I have one? What is prayer? We talked about that last week is, is my faith. Do I have faith to pray? One, one gentleman uh, said it, prayer is faith. I talked about that last week. I talked about the, the thought of, uh, even in that song, I think one of the parts that just hit me is, he can move the mountains. But one of the things that we said last week was, yes, he can move the mountains, but what moves him to move the mountains is me and my faith in him. Do I believe him enough to say, God, here's my mountain, wipe it out. And so as we get into this week, this week isn't going to be, it's probably one of the most practical lessons I've probably ever taught for anything. I'm a very, very practical kind of person. If you tell me to go do something, I want to know why it has to be done. Why did I not like math in school? Me and Mr. Mr. Richardson, me and Chris were talking about this the other day. I was good at math because I like to figure it out, but I would always ask the teacher this question: why do I need to know? If you're a kid in here, just plug your ears. Why do I need to know X times Y times Z plus blah 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 blah? I never understood why I needed to know that. Well, I'm practical. If you would have told me this is why you need to know that, I would have very much applied myself to doing it. When I was in college, I got a four-year degree. Well, at a four-year degree, you have to take math and science and history and English and all of these things that I'm going that science, what does science have to do with me being a preacher? I want to be a youth minister, I want to be in youth ministry. Why do I need to sit in your science class all year long? To, to be a youth pastor. That made no sense to me. I passed it because I had to, but it makes no, I'm just, that's just my, my brain. Some of you are like, yes, you're right on. Some of you are going, you're like very analytical and you know, you're going to jot it all down and then you're going to let me know later, but you're going to have to think about it. But I just, I'm a practical guy. And this week, one of the things in prayer for me personally, all of my Christian life, especially my adult life, I've like I said last week, I've always had this desire because I've read people that pray, and pray for hours. They'll go every morning and they pray for hours. And I'm like, man, how do you do that? And I shared with you last week, you go and you pray and man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And you're like, oh, this has been forever. And you wake up or you open your eyes and you're like, whoa, it's been all about two minutes. But, some of the things for me with with prayer has just been how do I do this thing? How do I really just come before and I think there's a whole hard issue we kind of dealt with a little bit prior to this but I think oftentimes we don't feel worthy enough to come to God. Like who in the world am I? But He's give he, he gives us that he asks us to come to him. And so as much as we may not feel worthy this morning, one of the things I'm just going to talk about, really, I have two points. The last point is just, I'm going to try to help you as much as I can with some different avenues or maybe some things that you've never thought about. Maybe you already do all of these things that I'm going to speak on, but, but hopefully that we can put these things into practice. My goal with this whole idea of prayer. And what I'm going to do is we're going to do some stuff on Wednesday nights where it's more of a, a lesson type of a sitting, where it's more intimate. But I want to teach on some of these things. I would venture to say that the majority of the people in this room don't know too much about fasting, don't know much too, too much about prayer and, and really praying through God's Word. And there's so many facets of prayer that I would say the majority of, of, of us have never really delved into. And so I want to do that. But this morning, or as I was saying, I want our church to be a praying church. I want this church. And when I say praying church, I don't mean like we've got a prayer. We meet on Saturday nights at 630 and we pray. I'm talking like this congregation, this body is is a praying body. It is who we are. Prayer is who we are. It is our lifestyle. I talked last week about constantly going before God. It is something that we have in our DNA that our prayer services or our prayer meetings will grow, that that the things that we do will be based around prayer. Why? Because I believe wholeheartedly and the, the longer that I've looked into this and studied and the more that I've uh, sat in this position, the more that I realize that Prayer is where the power is. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I've experienced. It's Dr. Falwell would always say in, in, in uh, school when he was, when he would speak, he would always say nothing of major importance happens apart from prayer. In the Christian life, Nothing of major importance happens apart from prayer. Basically, prayer, when you have major important things in your life, prayer is what needs to happen. And so, this morning, I want to I hit on one thing and then I'll jump into the, 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 the points here this morning. But in Luke chapter 11, and verse number 1, I think it's on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open those. But it says this. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased one of his disciples said unto him lord teach us to pray as john also taught his disciples I'm going to read that it says in a certain place when he ceased when Jesus ceased when he stopped praying one of the disciples said unto him lord Teach us to pray. Think about this. And I'm sure they asked Jesus lots and lots of questions. They walked and talked with him for three and a half years. I'm sure they had lots of questions. But in scripture it says specifically one question that they asked Jesus. Teach us to pray. He raised, they got to see people raised from the dead. They got to see people where Jesus spat on dirt and put it on someone's eyes and now they could see. They got to see so many miraculous things. Jesus took bread and he took fish and he fed thousands. Jesus did numerous things in his ministry that these men got to partake in. But the one thing that they went and they asked him was, Lord, teach us to pray. And I don't know why they asked that specific thing. I don't know if they correlated God and his or Jesus and his power on earth to do the miracles and do the healings with prayer. Or I don't know exactly the specific point or around that. But they didn't ask him, Lord, show me how you just raised that guy from the dead. Lord, show me how you just healed that guy's eyes. They asked him to teach them to pray. Such. It's such an important part of our Christian lives, yet it's one of those things that we just kind of shove off to the side and just as silly and and goofy as that video was with Shelby, that is our prayer life. Oftentimes I'm going to get up at five in the morning, an extra 10 minutes earlier, an extra half hour earlier, an extra hour earlier, whatever it was going to be, and I'm going to pray or I'm going to do it then, or I'm going to do it at night, or I'm going to do it here, or I'm going to do it there, we'll, whatever that would be, and then things happen. Distractions come in our way. And so this morning, I'm not going to go through all of the Lord's Prayer. That's, that's I'm not going in there, but I wanted, to, I wanted to hit on that thought of those disciples came to Jesus and they asked Him a specific question, and that was, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm going to jump in this this morning into... I'm going to kind of flip through some different scriptures this morning. But the first part of my message or the first point here is kneeling in prayer. I want to talk about knees bowed. Why knees bowed? For one, there's multiple positions or postures of prayer throughout scripture. There's postures of, of prayer where you're laying Flat on the ground, prostrate. There's postures of prayer where your hands lifted, you're you're crying out to God. There's just there's a number of different ways that is mentioned throughout scripture of 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 postures of how to pray. And I'm not gonna go through different postures, but I'm gonna hit on knees bowed and here's why. Well, let me go to a passage here real quick. Acts chapter nine and verse thirty-six. In Acts chapter nine and verse thirty six and we'll read just a few verses here. But in 936, it says this. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom when they had washed, their, their washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lyd, Lydda was nigh to Joppa and disciples had heard that that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called, the saints and widows presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. But but here's why did I read all those things? Here's what I want to talk about with knees bent. When I bow my knees, in America, we live in a different society. Throughout majority of all societies outside of America, they bow as a sign of humility, as a sign of respect, as a sign of kind of surrender, as a sign of basically you bow to a king, you bow to an authority, you bow to those things. Why do they do that? They do that because you're you're basically lifting up that person. Whoever I were, if I were to go and bow to Alan, I am basically saying, Alan, I'm, I'm exalting Alan. When we, we pray here, I'm assuming that these people were pretty humbled at this point. They didn't know what else to do. They, they came before and they just, they simply, I don't know what you do, when bad news comes, I don't know what your circumstances are, but when, oftentimes, when I am broken to a point that I know I don't know what else to do, I simply bow. Oftentimes, when people receive bad news, maybe it's a passing of a loved one or whatever. But what what so often watch a ball game, as simple as a baseball or a basketball or a football game people will do what? They lose the big game and they do what? They do what? They, they go straight down to their knees. I remember many times, I remember one specific time of baseball. It was one of my last games. And it was one of those things. It was over. And I just, oh man. Just kind of sit there. Why? Because you're you're in understanding, you're realizing that, for me, during that, no, I wasn't in reverence or in awe of what it was, but I just kind of, man, it's over. When we talk about God and we talk about prayer and we talk about some of these different things, the posture and why I chose this is, is simple, is because in order for me, in order for us, to get to a place where we become a praying church, we have to become a humble church. We have to become a church that is, not, that is not afraid to go to our knees, that is not afraid to cry out to an almighty God, that is not afraid to say, you know what? I'm imperfect. I have problems. I have issues. I need to deal with those things. I have to get to a place in my personal life that I am humbled before an almighty God and I'm willing to say, God, I need you. My prayer life starts with faith because I have to put my faith and trust in Him, but I have to be humbled to go to Him. And I'm willing to show God that I'm humbled before Him. You know, oftentimes, maybe, maybe you are, are different, but I know in my life, oftentimes, when if I'm really struggling with something, I don't know why I do this, but I will often, I will literally take my hands and I'll say, God, I can't do this. And I will literally just do this. Or I'll say, God, take this off of me. And I'll literally just put my hands up. God, take that off my shoulders. Or I'll give it to him. God, get, take this. I'm, I'm really not giving him anything, but I'm, I'm just making that expression. God, here it is. It's kind of a thing of surrender. I'm on my knees When you go to war, the general doesn't go, All right, everybody, attention to your knees. Well, what happens when I'm on my knees? I'm dead meat. That's what happens. Well, when it comes to prayer, I want to be dead meat. I want to say, God, I have nothing else. Here I am. I'm surrendering. I'm giving it to you. And so this morning, I'm going to go to a couple passages, but in Acts chapter 20, in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 36, just another passage here where they get to their knees. But in 36 it says, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. In Acts 21 and verse number 5, it says, And when he had accomplished those days, we departed and went our ways, and they all brought us on our way. With wives and children till we were out of the city and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. They got to a place and they did what? They bowed their knees. They humbled themselves. They, they cried out to an almighty God. This particular passage said they bowed their knees on the shore, which means to me, going to the beach is an amazing place. It's scriptural to do that on the shore. I don't know, but uh, not funny this morning. I understand. Sorry, I'll keep going serious here. But uh, but when we bow our knees, kneeling is it's his, it's it's na- known pretty much to as surrender. It's known as humility. Even in scripture, the the brother of Jesus, James. One of the things historically is known that he was nicknamed camel knees because they said he had calluses on his knees because he bowed and he was on his knees in prayer so often. I don't know about you, but how honorable would it be for your nickname to be camel knees? Now that's kind of goofy, but with the intent of he had had calluses on his knees from praying and being on his knees so often that's that's an incredible thought and i i just want to ask this morning very very practical and i'm done with this first point but are you bowed is your heart bowed when was the last time you went to your knees and just asked god when was the last time you you cried out to an almighty God from your knees? Maybe you used to get, get up in the morning, you'd bow your knees and, and pray by your bed. I don't know what you, you do or you did. When was the last time you bowed a knee and came to an altar? When was the last time you humbled yourself and just said, God, I, I here I am. A real quick story. You may know the name John Ashcroft. He was a Uh, a senator, and I think he was a governor as well. But John Ashcroft, before he went to take the Senate, his dad would always, he would wake up on many, many occasions, and his dad would be praying at the the foot of his bed. And before John Ashcroft went to to be sworn in as the senator, his dad, his father passed away, but he was in poor health, and, and on his way there, he went to go visit his dad. And as he walked into the room, his father started to try to get up out of his bed. And John, it's it's quoted here that John looked at his dad and said, Dad, you don't need to stand up. You're just fine. And his dad looked at him and said, Son, I'm not trying to stand up. I'm trying to get the strength to kneel one last time for you. I don't know what your home life was. But that particular thing to John Ashcroft is quoted in his book or in, in what I read was that was the thing that has drove him to every morning make sure that he bows his head, gets on his knees and pray to an almighty God because he always remembered seeing his dad bowed at the foot of his bed. And the last memory that he had of his father was his dad trying to get up sick out of a hospital bed to get on his knees to pray for his son. Maybe as a mom or a dad in this room tonight, you need to you need to allow your kids to see you on your knees before God. Not just sitting down with them at night. I'll be guilty. I'm guilty. I pray with my kids every night before we go to bed. But maybe they need to catch me in the middle of the night or in the morning bowing before their beds. Maybe they need to see dad a little bit more on his knees before God. I don't know what that is for you, but the next one is this, arms extended. The next point is arms extended. In Luke 22, in Luke chapter 22, in verse number 31, it says this, 22, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And Jesus said this, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Arms extended, again, I'm not going with this. I'm not talking about our hands being lifted in worship to God or or praising God. But I want to go with this avenue of arms extended is that my arms are extended to you. Who are you praying for? So many times in our prayer lives, we, yeah, we may pray, but we pray for me. Who am I praying for? Are my arms extended to you? Am I lifting you up in prayer? Am I worried about your life? Am I worried about the things going on for you? Am, what is my worry? My arms are extended to you, And I know in my own personal life, and all I can speak on is myself, when things are going okay for me, most of the time my prayers are not based at Aaron Flanagan. When my life and me and God are going good and, and things are great, I typically pray a whole lot more for others than I do for myself. When my own life becomes selfish because of sin, because of pride, because of whatever it is, my prayers become selfish because of all of those things just as well. But listen, if we want to become a church of a praying church, if we want to have a church that's going to make an impact outside of these walls, if we want to have a church that's going to be growing, that's going to be seeing lives changed, it's going to be because I am praying with my arms extended, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for you and you and you and so on and so forth. And I, I care about you, therefore I pray for you. Think about the person right now that drives you the uh, drives you nuts. When was the last time you prayed for him? The person that at work the other day, the last thing before you left, they made a snide remark and it's just eaten you alive all weekend. And you can't get you wait to get back on Monday morning so that you can let them know how you feel about them. Or maybe it's somebody within this room that has done something that's upset you. When my arms are extended because I'm praying for others, guess what? My heart quickly changes from how much I can't stand you to I don't know why I like you right now, but I'm going to be nice. Do you know forgiveness is a whole lot easier when I pray for the other person? Why? Because my heart is right with God. I have a desire to see God them have a right relationship with God too. Do you know a lot of times people hurt us, not because they don't like us, but because they just had a rough day or week or month or whatever it might be. Does that make it right? No. But guess what? When I'm right, I can then lift my hand and extend my arm to them and say, God, I don't understand, but Lord, I pray that you be with them, that they have a good day. Whatever that would be, but listen, church, what if our church began to pray for each other? What if our church not only prayed for each other, we've started doing this on Wednesday nights. I hope you enjoyed Wednesday night's Bible study as we're in those small groups, but, but we get to know each other. And as I'm praying for you, now I know specific things about you that I can pray for. But whoa, not only that, now I'm praying for you guys, I'm praying for my church family, I'm praying for my church body, but now all of a sudden I have a desire to see my neighbor who I've known for the last 5, six, seven, 10, 12, whatever years come to Christ. And so now not only am I praying for my church family, but I'm praying for my neighbor Joe who I know does not know the Lord. When my heart changes, when my heart changes, I have a desire differently for you than I do did before. With the right heart, I care for you. With the right heart, I care for my neighbors. With the right heart, all of those things change drastically in my life. Again, what would happen in our church if we began to pray with our arms extended? What does that look like? What does that look like? Jesus prayed for others. In Luke 22... In verse number 34, it says, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, I am looking at the wrong passage of scripture. There we go. 23. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. There's all throughout scripture with Jesus praying for other people. In John chapter 17. In John 17, I'm not going to read all of this scripture here, but... In John 17 and starting in verse number nine, I pray for them, Jesus says, I pray not for the world, but for them, which thou hast given me for they are thine and all mine are thine and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. This whole passage for the next eight or 10, 12 verses are really almost through the end of this chapter. Jesus is praying for the needs of others. He's praying for others. I pray for them. And what, what does that look like in our church? Am I willing to lift you up? Am I willing to pray for others? Am I willing to allow myself to, to stop thinking about me but think about others? We talk about this with our children. We teach our children to share. We teach our children to, to do what? To, to think about others first. You open the door and let people go in front of you. We do all these things. That's just good, nice gestures that we do but I don't so much know if I can pray for you. The culture of this church will change drastically if we get on our knees and we pray for others. Because it changes me. It humbles me. Because I may not like what you did to me but God didn't say if they made you mad don't don't love them somewhere in there I think it says something about loving your enemies it talks about those types of things those which despitefully use you why because it says so much about who I am when you've done me wrong, my true character will show. Because I will do a couple things. I'm going to kick you in your mouth. Or I'm going to be able to shake your hand and say, I don't don't understand, but... Have you ever went to somebody that... and said, hey, I'm sorry. When you know in the depth of your soul... That you did nothing to them, but they bit your face. They just, Arr! they came after you. They attacked you, and you said, "Man, I have no idea." But I apologize if there was anything that I did. Would that change the culture of this church? The only way that happens is if I'm praying for you. The only ways that happens is if I'm on my knees and my knees are bowed before him and I'm humble before an almighty God. And that allows me then to love you. That allows me to pray for you. That allows us to pray for each other. That allows us to reach this community in a different way. If we fight within, that community looks at us and says, I don't want nothing to do with it. But if we love, if we pray, if we care, if we do all those things, they look to us and go, I want that in my life. And the last point is this, is voices raised. And it's really, really, some of you may think this is the so simple. And I don't know how you pray. I don't. I'm going to give you a couple quick, simple, easy things that you may jot down and go, oh, I never did that. Some of you may go, I've been doing this for 50 years. I don't know. But as we bow our hearts and we humble ourselves and come before God, and we're willing to pray for others, I'm just going to give out a couple things. and, And really, this is such an easy acronym. It's something you probably already know. You're probably about to say it to me. But one of the most famous, I guess you could say, acronyms for prayer is ACTS. ACTS, starting with adoration. Adoration is simple. is simply this: if you go, if you look into Lord's prayer, it says, "What hallowed be thy name." It's praising God. Can I give you God just a couple application things that you can do? And you can write this down. You can do it, or you can not do it. Whatever it is. But what if you started your prayers with two or three sentences just of adoration of praise for who God is? Maybe you would want to start your prayers or start your, 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 your devotion time with a, a couple songs of praise to God. But adoration. The next is confession. God's word says a lot about confessing. We confess he is faithful and just to forgive us. Let me just challenge you with this. Keep those close. Close. Keep those close. I don't want to go days and days and weeks and months without confessing my sin before God. Keep them close. Keep that that tight, that close within you. But confess your sins. Maybe you even need to to take a, a, a moment, maybe once a month, where you sit down and you literally map out 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour, an hour, whatever it would be. But where you sit down and you you go before God. God, I feel that I've given you everything. I've confessed everything. But God, speak to me. Share with me the the things that I have not confessed to you. But confession. Thanksgiving. Let me challenge you with this. Make your own Thanksgiving list. Not what you want, turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and gravy. But your own Thanksgiving list. What are you thankful for? Try to jot down 50 things that you're thankful for. What? 50? It's really not that... you, You should be able to rattle that off. But think about this. A couple things. Spiritual blessings. What are you thankful for spiritually? Things like a Bible. Maybe answered prayer. Salvation. Heaven. Forgiveness. The church that you're attending. But 10 spiritual blessings... Physical blessings. Physical blessings. What are you thankful for physically? You can see, you can hear, you can walk, you can touch, you can whatever those things would be. You have good health, whatever those would be. But physical blessings, material blessings, car, house, clothes, furniture. What about this? What are you thanking God for your trials? What about thanking God for the trials of your life? What about thanking him for the people that are in your life? When you're writing down this list, who are the people that you're thankful for? When you start thinking about some of these things, there's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot of people in your life right now that you can be thankful for. From your parents, to your your siblings, to your children, to... People within this church, maybe it's a boss or maybe it's a mentor or maybe whatever it would be. But what are you thankful for? Lastly, supplication. Supplication is really asking God to supply. Again, we talked about praying for others. This isn't just a, a thing of how God will supply for me. But what if we listed just some 10, maybe 10 personal things in your own life? Personal needs that you have. Maybe it's 10 needs that are within the ministry here. Or maybe you're involved in a ministry. Whatever it is that that might be. But just trying to break this down and giving you some ideas or options 10 needs for your family. Maybe some things with your friend. How about this? Who are you praying for that needs salvation? Who are you praying for that you know has fell away from the Lord and is not in church anymore, that you know has been faithful in the in the, in the church? As I was doing some different things, uh, one of the books that I read, the gentleman, he actually took that and he did it backward, or he switched it up. He, he prays with thanksgiving, adoration, confession, and supplication, doing the same things, but he goes to God and thanks Him and then praises Him and do, does those things first. But maybe here's a couple things... And then I'm, I'm closing out. Throughout your day, I spoke last week about being constant in prayer. Maybe it's, maybe well, I don't know what the right thing to call them is, but call them Twitter prayers. I don't know. Because you can only put, what, 164, whatever it is. Just short little things that you can pray throughout the day. Father, when you walk into work, Father, give me a good day. Keep my head on my shoulders. Give me a good day today as you're walking past somebody and you throw out a prayer. Just short little prayers. We don't again, when you go to lunch this afternoon, I'm not going to ask you all to get out of your chairs, bow down at the table and start praying, God. But it's little things. It's it's constantly in prayers. We talked last week about praying with our eyes open. It's those things, those little little Twitter prayers or little I am prayers or whatever, just short and sweet things that you can pray for. Maybe for some of you you're you're more Experienced when was the last time you were just still to hear God? Not for three seconds, but you just sat in silence just to hear God. Don't pray to God. God, I'm here for you. And listen. I did this probably about a year and a half ago talking about silence. And it was my turn to come up to speak on a Sunday evening. And the band was done, the music was done playing, and everybody went down. And I sat there for like eight seconds, the auditorium. Everybody was just going, what's going on? We don't know what to do with silence. If I sat, sat here for the next 10 seconds, you'd all stare at me like, what are you doing? We don't like silence, but be silent so you can hear God. And then lastly, just a a quick thing, but reading Scripture. Just reading Scripture. Take a chunk of Scripture and read it. And pray. Ask God. Beg God. Bow your knees to God. As we close, can I challenge you that we would have faith That we would be constant in prayers. That we would bow our knees. That we would pray for one another. I have a desire that this church will learn to love God in prayer. That we will go before Him in prayer. And as we wrap up this morning... I never do a push for altar calls. I always have one. But I don't beg people to come. I don't rate my sermons at the end by nobody came or eight hundred people came. But can I ask our church? When the music plays or I don't if we have no music, I don't care. If you want to bow with us. But with our church this morning, there's a really big altar. Would you join me and my wife on our knees begging God for this church, for each other, for this city?